When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Come on, Aussie, come on, come on. Come on, Aussie, come on, come on. Come on, Aussie, come on. Ah, oh, how good is that song? Yeah, g'day. Thanks for padding up with me this Wednesday morning. But would you be okay with no test cricket in Brisbane for a decade? 131355 0467736736. Hell no should be your answer. No ashes, no first day of the test in Brisbane, no beers at the Piney at the Cricketers Club, no stormtroopers, no Richies, no Barmy Armies, no snake cups, no beach ball lotto with the security guards. You'd be okay with that, wouldn't you? No test cricket in Brisbane for the best part of the decade. Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with the drop-in pitch at the Gabba as well? The reason I ask this, as far-fetched and as fantasiful as it sounds, it is the dire warning from Queensland cricket to their fans, their stakeholders, in the wake of the Gabba redevelopment. Coming up, the man who's fired the warning shot and why. I feel like I do need to repeat myself because I'm saying these words and they really, I, I know I'm saying them, but I don't believe it. No test cricket in Brisbane for nearly a decade. That's what we could be facing in the wake of the Gabba redevelopment. Where do they play it? Where do they play test cricket? 131355 Quite topical off the back of the best test series we have seen in our lifetime, possibly ever. Uh, after 10am, uh, the man who, well, the man who hasn't seen Star Wars, thank God he can play footy and coach it, Mel Meninga. In his mind, right now, who is coach of the year? We're slowly getting into that pointy end of the season, aren't we, where we figure out Dally M coaches of the year, Dally M players of the year. Who would be the coach of the year right now, second day of August, for you? Kevy? It's got to be up there. He's got to be in the conversation, doesn't he? Andrew Webster at the Warriors, where he's taken them. Trent Robinson from the Roosters. <laughs> I mean, hey, that takes some skill, getting premiership favourites to be so bad, right? Uh, and the Cowboys. Can, wow. can they make the finals? Can they make the finals with no Valentine Holmes and no Jeremiah Nanhai? They, last night's judiciary, how the Cowboys... I'm trying to figure out what the Cowboys were thinking. Could it be the fact that, oh, we're going to lose him for three and four, well, really, what's one extra match when we could roll the dice and possibly get off? Valentine Holmes will not play again unless the Cowboys make the finals. Can they go through and do it without two of their test stars? I'll be putting that to the test coach. Same question I'll actually be putting to Cohen Hess. We will be heading to Cowboys country before midday. Saturday's big derby with the Broncos as well. We have a prop forward sailing through the air, a bit like big Lindsay Collins, Cohen Hess, on the weekend. Uh, The Cowboys, what's the feeling after losing uh, Holmes on the back of Nanai and on the back of the Titans? They They were flying.
They were flying the Cowboys, but they have hit a submerged log in the form of the Titans and now the judiciary. What is in shape for Saturday afternoon and the local derby, the Queensland derby? And I'm wondering if we have just seen one of the great careers in athletics, a promising career given that, ruined. Peter Boll. He stole our hearts, didn't he, from the Tokyo Olympics, which was, what, just two years ago to the day where we saw him run and become uh, and reach um, fourth place in the 800-metre final. And yet what we've seen over the past, well, the past seven months, it's been a nightmare for him. And yesterday we mentioned the fact that he has been exonerated by uh, Sports Integrity Australia. But how and how it happened in the first place is now the centre of everyone's questions and everyone's investigations. But I want to know today, does mud stick? Peter Boll, innocent, has no case to prove, yet will this tarnish his career and how much of an impact has it had on his career? And I say that in total. Maybe not his performances. Maybe it does. We won't know until we see him at the World Athletics Championships. But what about a career in its entirety? How much has this cost him in monetary terms? I was watching with interest Sunrise this morning, a man who has known what it's like to be a premier athlete in this country, Matt Shervington. He was very poignant in what he had to say about the Peter Peter Bowles situation. As a professional athlete, you have an obligation to do your part to help keep elite sport drug-free, clean and credible. It's an ongoing commitment that requires making yourself available for one hour every single day to be randomly drug tested. You give over your personal details, phone numbers and addresses and if there is any change at any time, if you choose to sleep over at a mate's, tweak travel arrangements, get delayed at work or with a family emergency, you have to let the drug testers know ahead of time. You could receive a knock at your door today or tomorrow and quickly find yourself giving a blood sample on your dining table or peeing into a cup in front of a complete stranger. I know I've done it many times. Every athlete understands this commitment and does so without complaint for the privilege of competing at the highest level. So, what if you're falsely accused of testing positive to a banned substance like Peter Bowl was? Should you not feel the same commitment to clearing your name? Should you not feel safe with the process that is there to protect you? Especially if, like him, you haven't done anything wrong. He may have been exonerated, but he will forever unfairly have a stain on his reputation. Matt Shervington, uh, just a few hours ago on on Sunrise, is is that a fair point? Will will this stain the reputation of Peter Bowl in, in your mind? To me, it doesn't. He's been exonerated. It's been cleared. He has been cleared. Or does mud stick? 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Um, Before midday today, I'll be talking to a sports marketing expert, someone who makes their lives and athletes' lives better by marketing them. The money in sport, the business of sport. How much has this cost, Peter Boll? Is there a way out? Is there a marketing ploy that he can use to try and help clear his name in the public sphere? Or does mud stick? 
1355 I'm looking I'm looking at the text line already. Wow. Me having a pie for breakfast is, is certainly and um I'm sure that's gonna go down well at home. But um Adam from Morningside has just said I heard Zorks talk about his favourite bakery. Well mine's the Fairfield Bakehouse. The best pies in Brisbane. Fairfield Bakehouse. Adam, thank you. Uh, if you've got a recommendation for a pie, uh, what is the best? What is the best in Brisbane or southeast Queensland? Um, the the one at um, Fernvale on the way out to Wyvernhoe Dam, Fernvale Bakery. That is, they are rippers. They are absolute rippers. Bit bit far to travel for a brekkie pie this morning. But if you've got any suggestions, send them through. Thirteen thirteen fifty five. Like Adam has done. Oh four six seven seven three six seven three six. Breakfast of <laughs> breakfast of champions. <laughs> Is it a pie and a Coke? <laughs> that I didn't have the Coke. I had a coffee instead. And now, time for Ben's Snap Judgment. <laughs> oh, we're getting sidelined already, but I love that. Look, are you okay with no test cricket in Brisbane for almost a decade? I'm asking this off the back of a letter sent by the or sent to the Queensland cricket community by the CEO and the chairman of Queensland cricket. And the letter was in regarding to the Gabba redevelopment, displacement and Allen Borderfield. It was lengthy, it was telling, it was pointed. And it was aimed right between the Palaszczuk government's eyes. It was a political kick in the bum to get their act together, to sort out what the hell is going to go on after the Gabba gets knocked down. And it's not just cricket. AFL is in the same boat. So both our national sports, our national summer sport is cricket, our national winter sport is AFL. And I'm talking across the country, not just here in Brisbane, but it will affect, or sorry, it will affect the entire competition, AFL and cricket. The letter to the Queensland cricket community, it congratulated the state on gaining the Olympics and it was something that they welcomed, Queensland cricket, something they'll benefit from with a brand new shiny gabba. But what about in the meantime? In the letter after the pats on the back about having the Olympics and getting Cross River Rail up and going and improving infrastructure, then came the crunch. This is where the rubber hits the road. The issue that cricket and AFL and their fans have and ones that you should be worried about is this. The letter reads, there are significant unknowns around the Gabba project, including the level of detail that's needed by the stakeholders about the decision-making process of both the Gabba and other uh, other related infrastructure projects. The planning and the relevant timeframes for the delivery of this critical infrastructure is now causing considerable uncertainty for cricket in Queensland, especially with regards to preparations for a seven-year period from 2025, which is when we expect the GABA will be unavailable from. If you're a cricket fan, if you're a sport fan hearing this, you should be worried. Seven years, the GABA are unavailable, 2025. Look, that is nothing new. We, we, we knew that. We, we know that from November 25, when the Ashes is played, and we hope the first test is at the GABA, 
the moment that final ball is bowled or the final wicket is taken, the Dean brothers will move in and the Gabba redevelopment, the knockdown, the rebuild will start. That's November 2025. We're now in August 2023. So we've got a bit over two years. But in the scheme of things, decisions need to be made now. Shovels need to be put in the ground now when it comes to a temporary home. Where are they going to play? Where are they going to be located? Because here's the thing. No decision has been made yet. You and I have spoken about different stadia, different options. Springfield for the Lions. AB Field for Queensland Cricket. The RNA, which makes a hell of a lot of sense. Yet, is it big enough? Will it be ready? Can it rebuild? Then there's metric. No, what's it called now? Heritage Bank Stadium on the Gold Coast. That's where the government would like to go. Why? Because that's the location that the government owns. There's also QSAC, the old QE2 stadium where the Broncos played, where the Commonwealth Games were in 1982. A lot of money would have to be spent there and is the infrastructure around it, the transport, to get people in and out. This is bigger picture stuff. Yes, this is about test cricket and where the hell's it going to be played in southeast Queensland, in Queensland at all. But in Brisbane, are you okay with no test cricket in Brisbane for nearly a decade? In the political world, this letter is a shot across the bow, but what you're about to hear is a whack between the eyes because the letter goes on to say that, regrettably, the level of detail surrounding the Gabba Project's timeframes has yet to be announced. As a result we face the real prospect of losing important tests and BBL matches from Queensland to interstate venues during this pre-Olympic displacement from the Gabba. Queensland Cricket holds a reasonable fear that a, situ- that a suitable solution to enable the continuation of matches in Brisbane's may not meet our needs or expectations. As a cricket fan, you should be worried. As a sports fan, you should be worried. The alarm bells, are they ringing yet? If they're not, wait till you hear this. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. We are preparing ourselves for the worst case scenario, Queensland Cricket's letter to the community says, where cricket could face the loss of access to the Gabba for potentially even greater than seven years during the period of demolition, construction and post-game return. So after the Olympics, when do they get it back? They don't know. Here's the thing. There is a vacuum of information. The major stakeholders at the Gabba, cricket and AFL, they have no idea what's going on. They know they're going to get a brand new shiny home. Fantastic. Where are they going to live in the meantime? Queensland Cricket going to say, we are working to ensure that we are fully prepared for when the Gabba work is scheduled to begin in December 25, following that ashes at the venue, which I spoke about before. At this stage, it means from January 26, BBL, Shield matches, one day is, they'll have to be played somewhere else. They see Allen Border Field playing a major role in hosting more cricket while the Gabba's being redeveloped. There are other regional centres. There's Carrara Stadium on the Gold Coast as well. But they all face their challenges. The most efficient, cost-effective and timely option 
is to get Allen Borderfield upgraded with a capacity of 10,000 permanent seats. This is all in the letter to the Queensland cricket community from the CEO and the chairman. They're getting a brand new shiny stadium. We know that. And that's fantastic. We need that. Do they need Allen Borderfield upgraded as well? 131355 0467736736. I'd love to see it upgraded. I'd love to see 10,000 seats there. But then my question is how do you get those people to Allen Borderfield? If you've been there to watch a match, it's a rat run to get into. There is no clear path for public transport to get you to that ground as it stands now. There'd have to be a fair bit put into it to make sure it happens. These are all questions I'll be putting to the CEO of Queensland Cricket. It goes into more detail too, and it's some worrying stuff. They're talking about drop-in pitches. I've heard from every minister who's hold the, who held the sports portfolio since the Gabba redevelopment, since the Olympics, since it was announced, there will not be a drop-in pitch at the Gabba. They've all said that, but that's a politician. What are they good for? Keeping promises, maybe? Hmm. Drop-in pitches take five years to curate, to grow, to nurture. There are plans in the limited plans that we've seen at the Gabba to have a nursery there to grow, to cultivate a drop-in pitch, whether it comes to fruition or not. We don't know because there's no information about this. But a drop-in pitch at the Gabba, it takes five years for that to grow and to cultivate. So are we starting to do that now? We're going to have to get onto that pretty soon because if they do get the Gabba back before the Olympics to play some sort of cricket there, 29, 30, will it be a drop-in pitch? Sounds like it could be. If you do keep the Gabba pitch for the Olympics, can it be sustained? The wicket block that's there now that the AFL complain about a lot, but guess what? It's a cricket ground. And it's a unique part of our Australian sporting culture, not just this state, but this country. So if they are talking dropping pitches in between the Olympics, that's got to get built. That's got to get cultivated. Yet not a shovel is in the ground. Nothing's happening. And I guess that's the point. Nothing's happening. That's Queensland Cricket's point. That's the Lions' point. They're looking for homes. They're looking for answers. They need to start planning. They want to get going. What's the state government doing? Yeah, that's crickets on the cricket. 13, 13, 55. The question to you this morning is, would you be okay with no test cricket? Perhaps no international cricket at or in Brisbane for the best part of a decade. Because that, it seems right now in August 23, what we're facing. The man who hopefully holds some answers and he'll be able to answer some questions like what constitutes an international venue? How many seats do you need? How much public transport infrastructure do you need? We'll get an idea of that in the next 20 minutes. The boss of Queensland Cricket, Terry Svensson, will be my guest this morning. I want to hand it over to you now. We are off and running for a Wednesday, 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736, 22 minutes past nine. Back with your thoughts next. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55.
This is Mornings with Ben Davis. I've been around the world a couple of times and maybe more. Seen the sights, I've had the lights on every foreign shore. But when my mates all ask me the place that I had all, I tell them right away. What do we tell them? Give me a home among the gum trees. A very nice slam and Sam. Give me a home amongst the gum trees. Give me a home anywhere. Well, that's what Queensland cricket and, and the Lions are asking of the state government. Where, where will we be housed? What are we going to do while the Gabba is knocked down? Uh, let's get some thoughts on the open line right now. Uh, Richard is out at Wakely. Richard, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Benny. Mate, this, this just smacks of something political all over. I mean... They're talking about pulling down the Gabba mm. for the Olympics. Well, why why are we bound down to the Olympics? Brisbane got the Olympics because after Paris and LA, there is nobody putting their hand up to host a big event like this. So we should be sort of dictating a bit of terms to them, saying, mate, this is what it is. This is what we've got. We'll hold it. We'll have a good time. Um, the amount of, It's not like we're doubling the numbers of people at the stadium for the Olympics. We, I think it's about five or 10,000 people more. Well, that's that's fitness really for the amount of disruption the cost to the queenslanders and you know to the queensland public and also federals tipping in yeah it's it's ludicrous and and i'll tell you what i've been to a few stadiums around australia and the gabba is still one of the prettiest nicest stadiums and anyone says the facilities uh, are not up up to up to date i was down at, at the boxing day test where warner warner scored his, his double and i'll tell you you had to walk for miles to find a toilet at, at the g um but at the Gabba, every time you come out of a stand, there's, there's toilets within, you know, 30, 40 metres. There's out food outlets. There's drink outlets. It, it empties really quickly. It fills really quickly. There's nothing wrong with the Gabba as it is right now. If they want to bring the Olympics here, well, guess what? We're 5,000 short of, of what you normally have in, in, the, in the stands. But most people watch it on the TV anyway. So suck it up, you know. Richard, I reckon you echo a lot of uh, people's ideas and sentiments and, and and thoughts. And this is something I'll be putting to the boss of Queensland Cricket because I have been told multiple times by the state government and anyone in the sporting world that the Gabba is at the end of its life. It, it is coming to a point where the facilities might be right and okay now, but moving forward in the next few years, it's not. And we are already seeing the Gabba lose out to other stadia, bigger stadia, Adelaide, Perth, in the conversation in sport, in cricket, in in other um, uh, concerts. So, yes, we can only increase it by – well, actually, right now, capacity of the Gabba for AFL cricket is, a, is mid-30s. So you are going to boost it up to 50 I don't mind smaller boutique stadiums. That that is starting to become the world trend rather than the hundred thousands. But 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 Richard, really good points, and it's something I'll be putting to Terry Svensson. He, he can tell us if it is fit for purpose. But my argument always along, and Justin Tony, I'll get to you very shortly too. You know my argument about this. This is this is not about for right now. This is for the next fifty years. Remember, the Gabba was redeveloped for the Sydney two thousand Olympics when we hosted the soccer, knocked down in the 95 Shield final. So we're knocking on the door of 30 years for a stadium, but we need one to last for the next 50, for the next generation coming through. Richard, really good call to kick us off. Tony, morning. Oh, Tony, you're there. 
Yeah, hello? Yeah, there you go, Tony. You're on the radio, mate. Go for it. Yeah, g'day, mate. No, probably two points. First point is is that with the drop-in pitches, I think there's a bit of a... Look, yeah, appreciate the Gabbers, you know, got a history of, you know, the, the pitch not being a drop-in, but I went to the one in the test in December. That was over in two days. The, the, the drop-in pitch in Melbourne was a five-day day test. So, you know, like, drop-in pitches are good most of the time. You know, the Gabby, yeah, has got the history of the bounce, but they can still do a shocker. So I think the, the drop-in pitch is a bit of, you know, a furphy. The other one is that, that yeah, it's like a lot of things. And all these sporting organisations too, there's money being thrown around by government. So this is an opportunity for Queensland Cricket to update the the Allen Border field. Yeah. And as you point out, it's in a terrible spot with with transport and all that sort of stuff. And everyone's trying to, you know, get as much as they can from it. And don't forget, I think this all started, the Gabba um, Olympics push started because the, the councils wanted money to improve infrastructure around Brisbane and the South East. This is what, what drove it all. So it's all about everyone getting as much money as they can out of it. And I think the Gabba redevelopment is just a price you've got to pay, as you said, to, to update a, a, what is an old stadium moving forward. And, and I think that's it. We've got to embrace a bit of change because by nature, Queenslanders, Queenslanders are conservative people. Tony, couldn't agree with you more on that point. Wash your mouth out with soap and water, though, saying dropping pitches are okay and the Gabba, and the Gabba one can suffice. Uh, keep them moving along. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Justin, hold, hold the line. Vanessa's standing by with a news hit. I'll come straight to you after this. Andrew, thank you for your text. Tell Tony he's a dribbler. Dropping pitches, no way. I've even had the boss walk in here saying dropping pitches are fine. In the fair dinkum department, I'm okay with a two-day test. Once in a blue moon, there was juice, there was life in the wicket. But these benign roads that the drop-in pitches produce, oh, yeah, none for 700. That's exciting, isn't it? Hey, Justin, g'day. G'day, mate. How are you going? Very well. The Gabba, uh, or what else is on your mind? I I just, I, I wanted to chat, but I, I just want to back up what Richard said earlier um, in the sense that, Mate, I've got to be careful what I say, but I, I work high up in a stadium in Melbourne that is not the MCG, and I can tell you now that the Gabba is still state-of-the-art. In, in, what, in, what, in, what, in what way? Give me some examples. Functionality, mate. From, from the management point of view of the stadium, yep. it works perfectly. It really does. Um, okay, it's a small stadium. My, my big concern is that we are going to take it out of commission for the Lions heat test matches. Yep. So let's be honest, it, it, it could push past seven, six, seven years. Yep. Um, to increase the capacity by 5,000. Hmm. Uh, well, if it gets to 50,000, right now a packed Gabba is 35 to 36, depending on the sport being played because of the different configurations. Um, you're talking about camera positions. So you're they, talking about the benches. Yeah. Now, they? So, say again. Because my understanding, it was only going to go to around forty-five thousand people. Fifty thousand. Well, okay, Justin, right here. Here's the thing. We're still talking about this with no actual concrete decision being Correct. made, and and I think that's the bigger discussion and the bigger kick in the butt that you know the kick in the pants that Queensland cricket has delivered to the state government saying. What's happening? What's going on? 
And if you're going to make a decision, send the money our way to help upgrade uh, Albion. I'm going to have the CEO on, Justin. I'm going to move on because he is popping out of a meeting, especially to talk to us. So um, I'm going to take a quick break now and we'll get things all squared up for Terry Svensson to uh, give us an idea uh, about what the future looks like for Queensland cricket, the Gabba, tests and everything in between. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 1313 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. We're going home. If we make it all, we don't, we won't be alone. When I see you last year, I don't know. At Queensland Cricket, they aren't alone in looking for a new home. The Brisbane Lions, the AFL. So our two national sports homeless from December 2025. Come on, it's only August 23, right? Well, shovels in the ground. Things need to be built. We need some action right now. And what now have we got from the state government? Nothing. Crickets. Crickets on cricket. Crickets on AFL. And it's one of the reasons I'm tipping why the letter was penned to the Queensland cricket community. I have one of the authors on the line right now. He is the CEO of Queensland Cricket, Terry Svensson. Terry, uh, good morning to you in what you have labelled these uncertain times for Queensland cricket. Yeah, good day, Ben. Thanks for uh, having me on your program. It, look, it, it certainly is. Um, you know, as you and I've spoken about um, on many instances, we certainly advocated for the, the Gabba to be knocked down and, and rebuilt. It'll be a world-class stadium for cricket and AFL to be played. You know, particularly when you've got some good competition from um, other states like Western Australia that have got a brand-new stadium over there. The decision would be much easier to host, you know, cricket, international cricket, and, and AFL here at the Gabba. Um, the issue we've got, um, and we've had so many phone calls from our constituents, and you know, overwhelming support since uh, we sent the note out, is that we really rely heavily on the Gabba, particularly for big bash and international cricket, to bring money into our game. We're a not-for-profit um, organisation, but that money then is used to fund our programs across Queensland. And, um, you know, look, they are uncertain times. We don't know where we'll play. Uh, our preference is Alan Borderfield, and we need a few more seats here. Terry, I, I want to ask you about that shortly, but um, I had a caller through before, and, and, and I think they are feeling the same. There was a few actually saying, what's wrong with the Gabba now? It, it's, it, why is it not fit for purpose? Well, look, like... Um, you know, like any um, any stadium or, or buildings or, or houses, for instance, and, you know, I certainly don't want to make, you know, light of it, there's often improvements that are required. Um, you know, we'll certainly get uh, more seats at the Gabba, but, you know, we're limited in terms of, um, you know, parking and and, uh, and, and, and media facilities. Um, you know, it's a very uh, compact uh, stadium in the sense that, you know, the new design will... You know, allow for you know better viewing, uh, you know more parking certainly underneath. But again, the Gabba is, uh, and the redesigned Gabba is still in the process at the moment. We've had some input to it, and you know we expect to see, you know, more designs over the sort of coming weeks and and, and months. But it's just it's really modernising and, and making it more contemporary. Uh, there's uh, it's certainly expensive. Um, certainly the numbers that have been sort of floated around. We'd expect that, you know, once the design's in place, that the, the government and the procurement teams within government will do the best they can to make it a you know, cost-effective um, study. 
Where, where are you at, Terry, with, with the government sitting down at the table to work out where you do play, where are possible options? And, and on this program, I've floated a few. I've heard few in discussion because the, the lines have got to be part of this conversation as well because they are co-tenants at the Gabba. We hear CUSAC, uh, the RNA, uh, down on the Gold Coast at Carrara Stadium. Where are these discussions at? Have they started? Uh, are they ongoing? Are they close to a resolution? Uh, good question. I mean, we certainly had a seat at the table to have some conversations. I mean, we understand it's a, you know, it's a complex issue. Um, complex in the one hand, what does the new stadium look like? And then secondly, you know, where do the current tenants uh, go and play? And how long is the rebuild uh, going to take? Uh, you know, can we get back to the Gabba in between the Gabba being finished and the Olympics? We, we still yet haven't had confirmation on uh, when the Gabba will be knocked over and, and when it will be up and running. Um, so there's a number of issues at, at play in terms of timing. Um, there are differences between AFL and, and cricket. You know, our preference is to have a permanent wicket at the Gabba that's performed incredibly strongly over many years, but we also need to have those training facilities um, permanent uh, wickets uh, in training facilities. So options have been talked about. Publicly, the RNA has been talked about. Um, uh, QSAT's been mentioned by a few people. Yes, there's options to play at Metricon. And of course, there's options for us that we've tested over this past summer and playing a big bash uh, game up in Cairns. Um, the point it is, um, you know, which we're calling on uh, the decision makers in our discussions is to say, well, to keep international cricket and to keep Big Bash cricket in Brisbane, uh, where will we play? Uh, and hence, you know, the proactive stance that, you know, we've put forward to the decision makers is we think Allen Borderfield is a ready-made venue. We can only get 3,500 fans into Allen Borderfield now. Uh, we want Brisbane siders to, you know, see international cricket and Big Bash and we think a 10,000-seat precinct here at Allen Borderfield is a is a very good option to keep cricket in Brisbane during that time. Are, are there any minimum requirements or standards needed to meet to play international cricket, to play a test match one day? Uh, look, you Just know, I seat, would, I would seating capacity that, or? No, look, there's, there's no minimum requirement from the seating capacity, but, you know, if we are certainly going to play uh, here at Allen Borderfield, you know, we'd be hoping to get at least 10,000 um, fans into the precinct. Um, how do you get them in, in, Terry? How do you get them in, Terry? It's a, it's a, it's a, well, it's a lovely, it's a lovely place to go, but it's a bit of a bugger to get there. Yeah, look, there's a couple of things, and you know, I'd say from a, a state government point of view, and um, also the city council, you know, this whole precinct around Allen Borderfield will be known as the Breakfast Creek Precinct. There's going to be the Brisbane Indoor Sports Centre uh, where the harness racing track is at the moment. And, you know, there's some good discussions going on there in terms of, you know, the flow and a potential new front gate for, you know, for Allen Borderfield. Yep. Um, and that'll be built over the sort of coming years. Um, what it does mean for us here at... Um, you know, at, uh, at at Allen Borderfield is, you know, we'd need to knock some existing buildings over uh, to be able to get 10,000 and have a redesign off the field yep. to be able to get those 10,000 um, fans in. When you combine that with the precinct work that's going on around the Brisbane Indoor Sports Centre, uh, I think it's a, it's a no-brainer, to be honest. How much are we looking at cost-wise? 
or it's not over a hundred million dollars, and it might be you know in and around the, the you know the sixty million dollar uh, mark. Um, but again, it's not necessarily the impact of not actually having cricket. Uh, you know, played here in Brisbane. We've also got to think about what the knock-on impact is to, uh, you know, participation and volunteers and a, and a range of other cricket activities that we typically have in Brisbane that we wouldn't be able to if we don't have a, you know, a boutique precinct here at Allen Border Field to be able to get, um, you know, more than three and a half thousand fans into. Would you, do you reckon you get an Ashes in 29 um, with 10,000 people at Allen Border Field? Unlikely, mm. um, and you know, from from our perspective, again, and you know, this is the time frame that we need to be working through with those decision makers in, um, you know, at all levels uh, in relation to the, you know, the Gabba rebuild. We've got an Ashes series in December twenty five. Uh, we've got an Ashes series in December, you know, twenty nine. Uh, we want to be planning around that um, to, you know, to understand uh, where we play. Uh, where we can and can't play, um, but certainly if Sri Lanka and New Zealand and and uh, you know those uh, countries were coming out to play, um, you know a 10,000 seat precinct, but also Big Bash uh, here at Allen Borderfield would certainly be sufficient. You know in the meantime, Terry, are you hoping to get back into the Gabba before the Olympics? Is that the the aim for Queensland cricket? Look again, um, and, and if know, so, what would it look know, like? Would there be a permanent pitch? Would it be a drop-in pitch? What What are the logistics think, facing us there? Well, I think you know that's the that's some of the, the practical conversations and and detailed conversations you know we're yet to have with Stadiums Queensland and and also the decision makers in state government. We, we've certainly been clear on on what our view is. We're we're certainly open uh, to going back to the Gabba once it's rebuilt and, and opened yeah. uh, and before the 32 Olympics. Um, but again, you know, construction timing for blowing out, aren't they? And, uh, and again, that's why I said it's a complex issue. So, you know, there will be people in government that are, you know, looking at, the, the you know, the building itself or the, the Gabba itself, um, also looking at cost, uh, looking at making sure how, um, uh, you know, a cost-effective they can make it. Yeah. But one of the decisions that we'd need to make is if the GABA was, uh, you know, up and running ahead of the Olympics and cricket was going to be played there, uh, we'd more than likely have to consider a drop-in wicket. Um, you know, our personal view is that, or cricket's view rather, is that we'd prefer a, a, a permanent wicket. But if you do have a drop-in wicket, say, to play the Ashes in 29, well, it takes a, uh, at least five years to get a... Um, you know, a relevant wicket ready uh, and to a test standard ahead of it. So that means, a, you know, a dropping wicket would need to be started, you know, next year and, and we get to have those conversations. Terry, time is against us and appreciate you stepping over meeting to have a chat with me today. Let's keep the phone lines open and whenever Stadiums Queensland and yourselves sit down, please sing out and let us know so we can get some clarity on this. Great. Thanks, Ben, and uh, appreciate um, you having me on the program this morning. Terry Svensson, CEO of Queensland Cricket, unpacking plenty there, 13 13 55. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. I'm still lost and running. Yeah, no.
Yeah, lost and running. Peter Bowl exonerated, as we know, in the last 48 hours. Uh, in this hour, I will be talking to a sports marketing expert. H- how much has this cost, Peter Bowl, and his career? Is there coming back from this? I-, I-, I think there is. But I also know that mud sticks. What camp do you find yourself in? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Melbourne Inga standing by. Text coming through. This one's from Braden. Oh, our Titans, mate, from Perth. Braden, morning to you. He says, morning, Benny. Enjoy the show as always. But I do feel for Peter Bowl because it will tarnish him for life, even when his name is clear. Well, his name has been cleared. What's he get out of it? Sorry, Pete. We got it wrong. It's an absolute joke. Braden also goes on to say, nothing wrong with a pie for brekkie, Benny. That'll be my brekkie before the doubleheader in the weekend. That's right, over in Perth, the doubleheader. We've got uh, uh, the Dolphins uh, heading west as well. It's a massive weekend in Perth when it comes to footy. Uh, we know the Lions are there on, on a Sunday and Saturday. It is the doubleheader. Um, the Dolphins, as I said, are heading across the Nullarbor. Uh, so uh, are the Bunnies. They've been... They've played a lot of games over there. They've played the Broncos over there a few times, uh, the Bunnies. But, uh, yeah, Saturday uh, afternoon in Perth, it's um, the Dolphins and the Knights, uh, the Rabbitohs and the Sharks. Malmeninga very shortly. Before we do that, though, let's head out to Karina Heights this Wednesday morning. Uh, Terry, good morning to you. Good morning. Listen, um, I'm really a dead set against this Gabba being uh, demolished. The cost alone is just ridiculous, let alone all the disruption for years. And the Lions obviously would have to move, uh, and Springfield wouldn't be able to take a lot of people, so therefore they're going to lose money unless they spend a lot putting up stands. Same as the cricket, as you said, out of Dallin board over. Why don't they just demolish part of it at the Gabba like they did at the MCG years ago? Everything could still be played. They'd get their desired... um, number of seats if they demolished like a third of it or a quarter. And, and they, I mean, they did that. Out. They did that. But the Gabba when they redeveloped it last time, Terry. No, it's it's a really good point. And and here's here's the crux of the entire discussion today. We don't know. The state government has still not revealed these plans. The federal government we know is involved. This is just bureaucracy dragging their chain, the red tape, whatever they're doing. I mean, this is the speed, the glacial speed at which government works. Queensland Cricket, the Lions, their businesses, yeah, they're non-for-profit, but they're businesses. They've got people in charge like Terry Svensson uh, and Swanee, Greg Swan at the Lions, who know business, who go, right, we need to make decisions. We need to get shovels in the ground. What are we going to do? Yet the government is just moving at government speed. And all of a sudden, and this is time sensitive, we need to be talking about this in 2023 because in two years' time, when they need to find a new home, it's got to be built. It's got to be up and running, just like Powderfinger. Terry, thank you for your call, 1313 55 0467 736 736. Before we get to Malmeninga, just on the Gabba, the Gabba was redeveloped, as we know, 1995 Shield final. It was built up and running, what, 97, 98. It was for the Sydney Olympics to make sure that there was seating all around the Gabba, no hill, because under Olympic conditions, FIFA conditions, you need to have an entire seated stadium. That was built pre-2000, this millennium. Wi-Fi was not a thing. We've seen the lights go out at the Gabba twice in the last three years. 
it is not designed to have its own power plant generators. The infrastructure is old. The infrastructure was built for the 90s. A lot of the things that we see now and take for granted now in our life aren't available to the capacity they need to be at the Gabba. The Wi-Fi upgrade has happened to a point, but it's like putting a booster in your home rather than actually making it a world-class facility where Wi-Fi... And and you go, oh, Wi-Fi, what, so we can get a signal on our phone? No. So they can actually run a business, a world-class stadium. They have just spent $35 million on the Gabba in the last 12 months. $35 million to upgrade it. Can you see it? Yeah, exactly. What you can see are two brand new screens, high definition, bigger screens, and the gates. That's what you can see physically. Oh, there's the restaurants and the, oh, not the restaurants, what do you call it? The food outlets and the bars and the upgrades and the coats of paint there. They've spent $35 million and you can't see it. So cost is going to be huge. How much do you add onto your home, your house, that is going to enable it to last for the next generation, the next 30, 50 years. That's the argument for the GABA being redeveloped. Technology and where it stands now, the GABA is obsolete. You can only upgrade it so much. You can only put so many things on your Commodore 64 or, or your IBM computer until it is now obsolete. That's why the Gabba needs to be redeveloped. That's why we need a new study. It is not for 2023. It's not for 26. It's for the next 26, 56 years. It's not for you and I. It's for our kids and our grandkids. Hopefully it's for us, but it's also for them to enjoy it. Uh, 131355 0467 736 736. Wednesday morning, let's get into this. <laughs> no, should we play? Should we play the real music? If you were listening last week, you'll know that Mal Meninga has never seen Star Wars. Let's let's do it properly, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, as I said at the opening of the show, the man has never seen Star Wars. Thank God he could play footy and coach it as well. Mel Meninga, thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Uh, happy Wednesday to you, Mel. Thanks, Ben. I was just wondering what that music was. <laughs> you you what, wouldn't know that? it. <laughs> that's from a uh, that's from a little it? movie. It's from a little movie called Star Wars. Um, right. get, get around okay. it. It, it. It's yeah. It's it's made quite an impact on. I don't know, planet Earth. It's it's been Yeah, well but I reckon I reckon if I if just out of curiosity I started to watch it, it'd take me I don't know, how many weeks continuously just to watch the length of those shows. Apparently they go for, for ages, don't they? Oh yeah, that's the, they'll be the best weeks of your life now. Best weeks of your life. Let, let's start talking <laughs> so let's start talking some footy. Um uh, well, well, let's start as the coach. I mean, you're Kangaroos coach, obviously uh, the Maroons Messiah, as we used to like to call you when you were in charge of the Queensland team. Coaches this year, because we're getting into that pointy end of the season where the votes are being tallied and there will be a coach of a year announced. Um, who do you see at this point as the coach oh, of Andrew the Andrew Webster. Yep. Andrew Webster, hands down. If there's going to be... 
you know, I think everyone understands that. I don't think you have to be Einstein to realise that he's done a terrific job with the Warriors this year. They're sitting in third position. Um, they've had a terrific year. He's built strong res- resilience in the footy team. Um, they'll play finals, and they'll probably finish, you know, finish up in the in the top four, I would suggest here. Probably the only person that would rival him, again, would be Ivan Cleary, you know, so... From my point of view, Ivan's done another terrific job. You know, they've lost Kikau and Coruscant, uh in particular. You know, lost Burton the year before, and they just keep on, keep on going. Twenty-eight nil against the Sharks last weekend, and they just keep on winning. And their system's so strong, and their defensive systems are, are excellent. Um, you know, it's it's out of Andrew and and Ivan, but obviously you have to go for, with Andrew because he's a new kid on the block. Does your old teammate Kevin Walters come into the conversation at all? Well, I think anyone that finishes in the top four comes into calculations, there's no doubt. Um, where the Broncos have come from, where the Warriors have come from, you know, um, the hardest thing in, the hardest thing in anything in, in life is staying at the top. You know, Ben, so, you know, for me, um, you know, obviously worked hard and there's motivations to get to the top and, when you get to the top, sometimes you start to relax and get a bit complacent. Um, but that's not the case for the purpose, you know. So, I mean, in the modern era, you know, the NRL era, to actually, you know, coach a team, I think they've been in three consecutive grand finals and it looks like they're, they're on the way. And I think the Broncos are the biggest danger. So, you know, Kevin's done a terrific job there as well. And, um, and they played really well, you know, last week. Um, against the Roosters, they showed great aggression off the back of Gus Gill's comments, and they showed you know, the true, their true colours. So I mean, I think the Panthers are, are favourites. The Warriors have done really, really well from a coaching perspective, um, but I think the Broncos are, are your, your main threat. So yeah, I mean, anyone in the top four from a coaching perspective, I feel, have got a, a case to answer, you know, for the, the coach of the year. Mal Meninga says it's out of Ivan Cleary or Andrew Webster. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Where does it sit with you? And, and Mal, you're right. In that top four, I'm looking at Andrew Webster's record with the Warriors this year. So, And comparing it to last year, 15th they finished yeah. last year, six wins in total. Well, he's already had 12. He's doubled already what they've done last year. Um, six and four at home six and three away, and they've got the third best defence in the NRL. They've conceded just 346 points. We all know defence wins premierships. That's a big teller for me. I'm looking at Kevy, though, and and there's a couple of – and I know know coaching – well, actually, maybe you clarify this. Can, can coaching be put on numbers? I know win-loss, but can, can, are there any stats that, that stand out for you that can tell the mark of a coach? Well, I think the club's you know, defensive record is a, is a big one, obviously, because that's, that's what they say. You don't have, again, you don't have to understand the, you know, the game. I think defence wins most sports you know, that you play. So in rugby league, defensive qualities are really important. Um, I think in, in Broncos' case, what Kevy's built, he's built a bit of a a wall when they go away. I think they've they've won nine out of ten, haven't they? Uh, games when they've been away from Suncorp. That was that you was know, a stat I was going to point out, Mal, and I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah, we, there you go. well, winning on the road, winning on the road in, in any sport, right. 
in any really sport. Good. Yeah. Yes. Losing just it's the one best in the comp. Yeah. Yeah, which is terrific, you know. So I mean, and then obviously from Kevy's point of view, he starts to build the fortress, the corner and back at, at Suncorp. Well, then, you know, you're, you're going places, aren't you? But winning the way is a really key element to to success, obviously, and. Um, I would, you know, she's, she's got such a really, it's such, it's such a great footy team, you know. It's um, and they're all young kids, you know. I think I, I did a, a bit of a survey the other day, and uh, when they talk about, you know, I think they're fourth, fourth youngest team in the competition, um, and and probably the fourth least in experience as well. So, so they've got a bright future, you know. So this is sort of last year they, you know, had some hurdles and challenges and. They've overcome it this year. They're getting better every year, and so the Broncos are on the up. They're 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 a team that will keep on, um, you know, winning into the into the future. So they've got such a strong roster of young kids as well. Mel, I'm going to throw one out from from left field on this, and, and we talk about winning nine uh, out of ten away. I when I said this at the beginning of the season, and I'm looking at it now, the Broncos draw. Their away games, they, they don't have to jump on a plane for, for many of them. I know they've played in Darwin. I know they've played in Melbourne. They're playing in Townsville this weekend. But their base in southeast Queensland, playing Titans, playing the Dolphins, playing at the Gabba, playing Magic Round at home, there is a lot of away games where they're actually still in Brisbane or with an hour of Brisbane. Um yeah. How much of an effect does that have? Oh, it's, it's an enormous effect, but you just go down to Sydney as well. You've got nine teams in Sydney that are in the same boat, probably more so even, you know. So um, the Queensland teams do travel, um, particularly the Cowboys. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the Queens, the, the southeast Queensland teams down there, um, a relative, they've got to do some sort of travelling. Um, Broncos obviously playing in the the number one rugby league, you know, field in in the world basically. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm, looking, it, I'm yes, looking at away point, games too. An away game against Souths on the sunny coast, and away yes. ga- an away game yeah, against yeah, exactly an away game against the Dolphins at Lang Park or Suncorp Stadium. I mean, it's their it's their yeah. house too. You know, well, there's always some there was always some caveats in there, but. But in saying that, you know they've they've done really well, and um, but in Sydney teams, you can actually have that argument for the Sydney teams how much football they obviously play at home. They've got to play eleven home games or twelve home games, yeah. but um, they play the majority of the rest of them around Sydney anyway. So that's within an hour of their home base as well. So yeah, I mean they're in fortunate situations, you know. Geographically, I guess, um, but in saying they still got to win footy, you still win the games, you still got to front up, you still got to be motivated, you know, get your systems in place, you know, um, you know, work really hard, you know, you know, for your for your victory. So, you know, still being away, being away from Suncorp, and Suncorp's such a, a you know, big stadium, and I think great advantage, you know, to your, to the home team. Uh, you look at Queensland's record, you know, at Queensland and yeah. uh, Suncorp Stadium. So you know, it's just a, it's it's a place you want to play, and the players obviously love doing that. Um, so yeah, I mean, Kevy, I, I don't, you know, I understand what you're saying, but your teams have still got to win. 
13 13 55 0467 736 736. If you've got any uh, questions for the Jedi Master himself, Mal Meninga, he'll have no idea what I'm talking about there, but you do. Uh, send, oh, this, oh. <laughs> send them through. <laughs> Mal, um, the Cowboys, two of your kangaroos in Jeremiah Nanai and Val Holmes uh, won't be there until the finals. J- Jeremiah may be back depending on his injury, but Val Holmes not after the uh, suspension last night. What were they thinking? How could he have got off that? I've got no idea. But four weeks and possibly four weeks for Jeremiah Nanai. Can the Cowboys make the finals? Can they make the eight without two of your test stars? Yeah, I think they can. Ben, um, they'll miss they'll miss Val. I think they can cover Jeremiah, obviously. Um, up there, they've got some great edge back rollers and good forwards and things like that. But I think they'll miss miss Val. Um, they'll miss his goal kicking. And, well, he's goal kicking. But he's he's a player you want in your footy team when the times are tough. You know, when when you when you need something to happen, you need a player to stand up. When you need points, um, Val's the man. You look at so many times and. Just even the last couple of years, Ben, you know, like he's dropped field goals or he's a run down a sideline to, you know, to set up a try or to score a try. He's just, he's that person you want in your footy team. That's why I love him so much. That's why I pick him in, in rep side <laughs> because he, he makes a difference when it matters and uh, they'll miss him dearly, I would suggest. Um, you know, they've got Cole Felt. I'm not quite sure what they'll do, but, um, yeah, it's uh, they'll miss him. They'll miss his points, but... I still think they'll make the finals, and I think they got to buy. Obviously, they play the Bronx this week up there, yeah. Um, which is going to be you know an important game for them. Then they got to buy. Then they play the Sharks at home. Then they got you know the Dolphins away. So I just think they're on twenty six points. They got to buy, so twenty eight points. They've got four games, so that's got to win half of those, I reckon, to you know, to make the eight. And they've got a good four and against as well. So as long as they don't get beaten by plenty, um, I think they'll make it. It's an interesting one I'm going to put to Cohen Hess. So I'll be speaking to uh, to Big Cohen next hour uh, after training. Uh, just what they will do in that centre position, because I know Zach Laybutt has, has filled in there before for, for Val Holmes, um, but he wasn't even named in their, 20, their 22 uh, yesterday, knowing that Val was uh, going to go to the um, the judiciary as well. So Kyle Felt, yeah, it comes back in. Um, maybe there's a, a shift. Well, he can go on the wing, and I think Sammy Valamai's had you know, yeah. time in the centres before too, and he's playing good footy. Um, so you know, um, I think that's a that's a good option. Um, and but Sammy's a right he's a right side player, so you might swap Peter Hiku over to the left side. He's a you know, he's a much travelled, um, you know, great player for the game. You know, so I mean, yeah, I think I think they're about to fill that. But the the second the second row positions, uh, I think, is pretty well covered. Yeah, all right. Hey, Mel, um, t- Titans and Dolphins, let's just quickly turn our attention to them. They are on the same amount of points right now on the ladder. They've got the same amount of games remaining. Only four and against separates them. So they're on, they're on 22 points. The Cowboys are sitting eighth on 26. So, so they're, they're two wins right now, both of them, out of the eight. Uh, can they make the finals, Titans and Dolphins, or, or are they cooked? Um, well, they're, they're hope. You know, so you know, with hope there's optimism, and and if you keep persevering with your, you know, with your, with your performances, well then, you know, there's there's hope there. So it's about just winning, really. They've got to win. The minute the minute they lose their next game, um, see you later. So they've just got to keep winning. The same 
I think, with a couple of other teams in the, yep. in the top eight, you know. So the Sharks, and they sort of cannibalise themselves a little bit, you know, the, the, the top eight teams as well. So they play against each other as well. So, yeah. you know, it, I reckon, you know, it's funny because I just went, you know, we, we talked before, and I've, I've gone to the Raiders as an example because obviously, you know, I've got a great affiliation with the Raiders. They play the Sharks in their last game at away, and they're the last game of round 27 as well. I reckon, I reckon it could come back to that last game uh, in the last round of the season to yeah. actually you know, work out who the top eight's going to be. You know, so but yeah, I mean, the Dolphins and the and the Titans have got a hope. Um, you've got Eels; they're good for and against Manly. They've got a poor for and against the Knights. Are, they're four and zero. They're, they're four and zero leading to this weekend's game. You know, so. Uh, they got the Dolphins. So, you know, the Dolphins have to beat the Knights. The Knights have to beat the Dolphins this week, you know. So, and that's over, like you said, over in Perth. So, yep. it's very interesting. Each each game has got some sort of connotation towards, you know, the top eight and who finishes up there. Oh, they all do. It's it's the best competition we've seen in, in years, in decades, you could say. Now, before I let you go, I've got Mike who's jumped on the line. He's out at Callum Vale. He, he's got a question for you. I think it surrounds Val Holmes. Mike, uh, good morning. Say good day to Mal. Yeah, yeah good day, Mal. Um, I hey, Mike. How are you, mate? Um, yeah, good, mate. The, um, I just thought the Val Holmes one, you know, it's a bit late now, but you know, uh, I think he achieved what he wanted to achieve. He got um, the young lad to, uh, you know, drop the ball, I think. And uh, But I, I'm a little bit... Do you think it's necessary that that the referees use subjective language like Val shot out of the line and then the bunker last week said he rushed up? Is, is that important what speed he goes at? I mean, JWH, um, you know, was standing like a you know, a rock when he took uh, Payne Haas out of the game. I, I just think, just leave the language out of it, how somebody wants to approach the tackle, uh, you know, once you bring some subjectivity into it. Well, I, mean, I agree with you. And, um, yeah, language is part of subjectivity and actually, you know, can enhance or, you know, um, have, a, have a, a negative effect on on, um, on the yeah. outcome of of conversations yeah, or decisions. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. They, but they don't understand. What, what sometimes what they don't understand is that, you know, they get, they get taught to, um, you know, make decisions. So the setters is one of the hardest positions in the in the game to defend from. So you actually got to make a um, immediate decision. You've got to be a decisive decision. So you either, you come up hard and you put pressure on, on the ball receiver and then everybody else follows or you, you hang back. So that's, there's two decisions, there's two um, ways of defending on, on you know, from centre to winger as, as an example. Val, Val's way, his best way is he, he comes out of the line hard at, at people. And I don't think it doesn't really matter how fast you come out of a line, it's just the, the point of contact is the, the most important thing here. And I feel that, you know, while we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be criticising Val for his speed of decision and his speed at, into the tackle, but his contact has been high, you know, was high in this instant. That's why they made a decision. And then you got to, you go back to a couple of instances this year where Val's probably got off um, uh, in the same sort of situation. So, yeah, I mean, it's all subjective all the time, I reckon. Uh, and if you haven't played the game um, or you don't understand how you defend in centres, well, then it makes it even more difficult for you to defend. 
Mike, great call. Thank you for it. Uh, Mal, I'm looking at the clock. We have used up our time, and time is very much at the essence for you because you've got an entire series of Star Wars to watch. Although, I've got to say, I reckon a little bit of it, a little bit of it is rubbing off already because um, you, you sounded a bit like Yoda before when you say hope is what you have and, and hope is what you ne-. It It was very Yoda-like, the way you were talking about right. that before. Yeah. So uh, may the force it be. It might be all in my subconscious. Then it's all <laughs> in my subconscious from way back, where I might have probably walked past the TV at some stage, or the cinemas, the cinemas, the theatres. You know those days with all the Hessian bag seats. And, um, that, <laughs> Come on, that, that might have. It's not that old. It's not that old. <laughs> Isn't it? No. You sure? Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. It was late. It was late. Se- late seventies. Yeah. All right, mate. Um, we will catch you tomorrow on the Throwdown as well. It's always good to chat, Mel Meninga. Thanks to thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today for half price off Nature's Way vitamins range. It's twenty eight past ten. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. We'll give it a shot. At 10.46, a slam and Sam, just a bit late on the Bon Jovi, but yeah, halfway there. Thank you for joining me for this three hours until midday. Ben Davis with you. Um, Peter Bowl, we heard the news yesterday that he has been exonerated, cleared of any charges when it came to uh, those EPO tests. They were false positives, should never have got to where it did. I know Pat and Zorks had a great chat to Dr. Peter Larkins on it today about Peter Bowl. We heard at the beginning of the program... Um, Matt Shervington, uh, who's been at that Peter Bowl level, representing us at an Olympics. And and what needs to happen now? Where is an investigation into this? Does he have a chance to clear his name? I know Kate Campbell was hot on this as well when it came to the Peter Bowl situation. they got it wrong and that Peter Bowl was right. If you don't apologise, you're not taking responsibility. And if you're not taking responsibility, it means you're not learning from your mistakes. Yeah, Kay Gamble, that was on 7 News last night. Um, Where's the apology coming? Uh, Has Peter Bowl received one? I know he's now getting ready for the World Championships in Hungary, uh, which is coming up later this month. How much has this disrupted him? How much will this have an effect on his performance? But also, how much has this cost him as far as reputation, marketing. Uh, We know that unless he's winning races, he's not making money, and those races are the lucrative ones overseas. So reputational damage, can he come back from this? Does mud stick? Let's touch base with our sports marketing guru, Tristan Hayes, the managing director of THM Sport. Tristan, good morning to you. Great to talk to you again, mate. Peter Boll, where where do you even start with this as a reputational uh, damage situation? Oh, hello, Tristan. <laughs> Phone lights. We've melted them down so far. All right. All right. We're Tristan back on there. Let me go back through some of these texts while we get there. Uh, Justin saying, hey, look at Geelong Cardinia Park for the Cats. It's constantly getting upgrades, but they're still playing there. Why can't 
we do this at the Gabba? These are all questions that are yet to be answered, Justin, exactly. And it's what Queensland Cricket was trying to do, put a rocket under the Palaszczuk government for answers. Sitting down at the table, where do they get rehoused, rehomed during the redevelopment of the Gabba? And what's it actually going to look like? What's the time frame? 13, 13, 55. All right, we've got Tristan back on the line. Tristan, morning to you, mate. I, I, the question to you was, with Peter Bowl and his reputation, where do you start to to rebuild? Yeah, g'day, Ben. Um, well, I think the, the I think it's the process kind of started, to be honest, um, when he got cleared yesterday. I mean, I think the biggest challenge of any athlete is getting out there and 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 putting your best foot forward and doing um, and doing your thing on the track. Um, you know, I think Peter's. Again, I haven't met him personally, but I think the one thing that we can all see is that he's resilient. Um, you know, he's not afraid of the, the spotlight. And, um, you know, I think if he can get back on the track and, and compete at the level he was competing at, um, you know, at the last Olympics, and I, I think that reputationally, I think we're all going to, you know, again, we're all going to fall in love with him um, because, again, he's been cleared. Um, and he was definitely the darling. He was the pin-up boy of that Olympics in Tokyo. And, um um, I can't see a reason why, again, if you can get back to that level, that, that we won't get behind him again. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, Tristan, and I hope that's true because we do know that sometimes, well, not sometimes, but mud does stick, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And this is, you know, and particularly when it's talking about drugs and sport and in a sport that's got a long history of athletes sort of, you know, being proven to be using illegal substances, um, you know, it's it's always going to have that kind of, that great cloud. But, um, you know, again, I think just... What what Aussies love is that we love that fighting spirit, and we love um, you know we love athletes that are, aren't afraid to kind of get back out there and give it their all. And um, I think that's what yesterday's um, you know yesterday's announcement anyway for me just kind of proved that you know he's been given the opportunity now. He's been proven to be innocent. Um, you know, so hopefully we can all get behind him and and hope he can go a little bit better, a couple of places better, and, and get another more get get a medal in um, in France next year. Uh, but you're right, it does stick. Uh, mm. But again, I'm you know one thing that's, that's that, that we love probably more than anything is, is a classic redemption story, and, and hopefully that's what we're going to get. Oh, we do love a redemption story indeed in sport. How how much could this have cost Peter Bowler in a, in a monetary sense um, with, with, with potential sponsorship, and and will sponsors be wary going forward? Uh, that's a good question. I mean. The one thing I'll say again, he's, he's been very well, he's been very well managed. Um, you know, he's obviously got some great guidance and he's been upfront and transparent about everything. You know, even, even I guess when that first sample came back, I, I can't remember another athlete that kind of got on the front foot like he did and said, I'm innocent and, and, you know, the truth will be told. So I think, I think all that matters. I think the fact that he didn't, um, you know, that he didn't try and run and hide, which again, is something we kind of see a lot in, in all codes, you know, you know, some athletes, you know, try and escape it and, and don't want to do much, whereas others kind of confront it head on. So I think that's going to matter for brands looking at, um, you know, aligning themselves with Peter down the track. Um, I mean, it's, it obviously would have cost him. Um, again, I, I can't really, I can't really speak with any authority in terms of how much it cost him in, you know, in terms of the last 12 months. But, you know, I think looking forward again, I think a lot of it's going to come down to his performance. And a lot of these brands now, like a lot of the content of the campaigns that, that, that brands are doing, it's, doesn't have the long lead-in times like what we did kind of five or ten years ago. So, you know, they can kind of move pretty quickly. So if it looks like Peter's, you know, back to his best, um, you know, and that, that kind of narrative continues to swing around, then I can't see any reason why he's not going to be able to, you know, to, to secure some pretty big deals heading into um, into Olympics next year. And, you know, and again, see that that, those, that big bright smile of his, um, you know, all over national TV and, 
you know, and in, online and in the papers. Yeah, he and his family captured a nation's imagination in Tokyo. Geez, it was two years ago now, wasn't it? Almost to the day. Now, currency of a gold medal in marketing terms, is there a dollar value you can put on something like that? Where, where, do, where do you start negotiations with an athlete and sponsors around if they're a gold medalist? Well, again, I think with Peter's unique just because he's done a lot of the groundwork already. Like, he's a name that's synonymous with, you know, with sports fans and that story. I mean, I can still remember sitting in my lounge room and just getting right behind him, seeing his family back in Perth, cheering him on. And, you know, that's uh, that's really powerful stuff. So for someone like Peter, I mean, if he can if he can deliver a gold medal, then it's, you know, we're talking six, seven figures, um, wow. you know, potential endorsement deals. and. And again, I think the thing with with athletics is, it's, and I, I'm you know I'm saying the obvious here, but it's super competitive. Like it's, yeah. it's an individual sport, but everyone does. You know, even swimming, you can you know, it's not every country is lucky enough to have the facilities and be surrounded by an ocean like we are here. But you know, when it comes to athletics, I mean, that's literally something that every country is competitive at. And and Peter's right there, you know, and that's 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 kind of getting back to my initial point. Like I think if he can maintain that elite level and and perform at his best, and it's going to be really difficult. Like. You know, we don't know some of the other athletes that have, that have come up from other countries and to kind of get back to his best and then go that little bit better. Um, I mean, if he can do that, I mean, that's going to be, you know, needless to say, that's a game changer for him. And, 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 and we will be cheering yeah. him on at the Worlds as well and coming into Paris. Tristan, appreciate your time and expertise today. Tristan Hay, Managing Director of THM Sport. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 131355. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Uh, four minutes past 11 this Wednesday morning, where I have found myself stunned, shocked, and amazed. Slamming Sam has found a tweet by Kevin Peterson, and I said, Oh, well, let me have a look at it and read it. And I went to look at it on my Twitter feed because it was to do with the ashes and him whinging and whining and carrying on. But I couldn't find it. So I've searched up Kevin Peterson and I've been blocked by Kevin Peterson. KP. I mean, sure, there may have been a rogue tweet here or there, I don't know, criticising, sorry, pointing out a few things to KP. I wonder how long this has gone on. I can't remember having a, that mad a crack at KP. What a petal. What a snowflake. Why the hell would he block me? I mean, this is a bloke who had, it looked like Pepe Le Pew in 2005 playing in that Ashes series. Maybe, did I mention that on Twitter? I don't know. Hey, what did the tweet read, Sammy? You, have, you, have you got it there? Because I can't see it, but it sounded pretty bloody good what you were saying. I've done a little bit of extra digging. It was I saw it on a, on a meme page on Facebook, um, and then I've gone to look on Twitter to, ver- to, to verify it. <laughs> yeah. I've gone to look on uh, on Twitter to verify it, and it isn't there. Um, oh, is he taking it down? Potentially. He is in Africa. He's on a safari. Yeah. So he might bump into heels, potentially. <laughs> um, and Ricky Ponting hasn't actually shared a tweet since 2022. Okay. So you're saying it may be made up. It could be, but we've still it's still well, managed what, to, what was the whinge? So the whinge is, I've had enough. This is ludicrous. We need to change the Ashes format. There has to be a sixth test if it's a draw, even a seventh. There needs to be a winning result. A six test if it's a draw. England would have won if fake. we had another test. It might, it's it's got to be fake because it's not there. But right. it, we've still managed to figure out that you are blocked by Kevin Peterson. <laughs> Precious. And he's out now anyway. He got 40. What? 
That was a good comeback by Ricky Ponting. Uh, all right, there we go. Self-indulgent block by Kevin Peterson. Wow. I reckon I've hit the big time now, haven't I? Whoa. Uh, five minutes past 11. Time for this. On Mornings with Ben Davis, it's your chance to get it off your chest. No sporting topic is off limits. It's the 11 a.m. mayhem. Yeah, 11 a.m. mayhem. You call, you get on. I have tickets up for grabs for the weekend's NRL Clash Friday night. In fact, it is the Titans and the Warriors at Rabina. The badge of honour of being blocked by Kevin Peterson. Michael's at Upper Brookfield. G'day, Michael. Hey, Michael. There, <laughs> hey, there we go, mate. We're, we're on the radio. What's on your mind? Okay. Um, so just in a case that sort of mirrors um, Peter Ball's situation, um, 12 months ago there was a, a, a very large boxing match supposed to take place in England, and one of the boxers um, tested positive to a banned substance and swore black and blue he didn't do it. Um, he It cost him $10 million minimum, um, went through all the process, and as of three days ago, it came out that he was innocent. And no one will accept his innocence. And so he's had to employ a PR agency to go through everything in a scientific way. And they found out that one of the genes in his body has mutated and is unable to process clomiphene, which is what he tested positive to. And they were able to actually find out that the, the drug that he ingested didn't come from a chemical source, but actually came from within his body, um, with him processing a food source. And it was remarkable. And it's breaking sort of at the moment. And I wonder how many athletes have been you know, found guilty when perhaps it was something in their genes that couldn't process it. The genes that didn't process it. And yeah, so 10 million purse, that was what he was fighting for at least a payday. Yeah, in yeah. That and fight. he hasn't been able to fight for, for eight, uh, um, a year. Um, and on Twitter, he's just being assassinated. Um, wow. He went on Piers Morgan. And went what, on what was it, what's what's his name, Michael? What's the boxer's name? Uh, so his name is Connor Ben, and he actually um, he's English, but he grew up in Sydney with his dad. His dad was actually called Nigel Ben, and so Nigel Ben and, and uh, Chris Eubank were were boxing foes in their own right, the fathers in in the nineties. And this was actually son against son, so it was actually Connor Ben against Chris Eubank Jr. Wow, and it was going to be worth all the marbles, you know. Yeah, wow. Well, so there, so there you go. So that so there's. Mud, mud does stick. Uh, maybe, maybe Peter Bowl and the um, personality, the profile that he had before, as Christian, as Tristan was saying, that 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 profile, the 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 persona, the public persona he had, um, the fact that he was a darling of Australian and Australian sport, maybe that holds it in his stead. Uh, don't know about Connor Benham, but that's um mate, that's a very very good uh, um, comparison to put up, and how much something like this, if they do get it wrong, does cost you. Michael, appreciate it, clubhouse leader. As we tee off in eleven a.m. mayhem, a double to the Titans uh, and Warriors, six o'clock this Friday night at Rabina. Uh, Frankie's out at Chermside. Frankie, Peter. Bowl on your mind as well. Good morning. Yes, good morning, Benny. Uh, I love your program. Mate, I just wanted to mention the fact that, um, that uh, you know, no names really should be mentioned at all until all samples are verified yep. and the appeal process could be done. Right, Once it's all done, the appeal and everything, um, that's when they should mention the name of a person who, who actually fronted. And then if it's found wrong, later on down the track, certainly, you know, there's damages 
um, that need to be quantified mm. before that they seek uh, for, for compensation. And the mud does stick, mate. Come on, let's be serious about it. Um, so that's my opinion in relation to no one should have known Peter Bowl. No, they, one minute they he's on one, one minute one minute he's on the television set on the radio, blah blah blah, and uh, you know representing Australia, tall poppy syndrome, and next minute he's um, flattening his feet. You know, mm. um, it's just really. And the other thing, mate, I wanted to mention, which I haven't had an opportunity to ring you about, which is, as a similarity, look at this John Tong Centre, you know, where after all these years, they've been doing these uh, DNA testing. Yep. They've gone to trial. The people have gone to in- incarcerated. Um, they found that the tests were incorrectly done or whatever. Um, and now they have to be retried. And you can bet your bottom dollar the people that were incarcerated, if they found to be innocent will be going for compensation that, what, that poor yeah. lady yeah. Sorry, the poor lady that um everyone's saying that she uh, she uh, um had a hand in um killing her children um after all these years these people have been fighting and the professors have come out and said uh they found that there's certain genes that the little boys had um that uh provided the doubt that uh, they could have died rather than at her hands at uh, natural causes. Um, you know, she spent all those years in jail. And Frank, um, yeah, Frank, I mean, you, you're spot on. We put our faith, our our faith in the legal system, be in the in the uh, courts of sport, in the courts of everyday society. We we do put our faith into the science, into the testing, and when irregularities pop up, if there's not enough funding, if they're backlog, whatever the thing may be, people's lives are depending on this and can be ruined if the wrong results come through. So there needs to be some sort of compensation straight up and down. How, where, who funds it? Where does it come from? Uh, Because at the end of the day, Sports Integrity Australia is a government-funded body. So if there is compensation to be had, I'm tipping that comes out of the public purse, which is your back pocket and mine. 131355 0467 736 736. 12 minutes past 11. Uh, let's head to Greg. Greg, morning to. Where are you calling from this morning? I'm up in Brizzy. Uh, buddy, yourself at uh, Everton Hills. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. God's country indeed. What's on your God's mind? God's country. <laughs> Mate, if, um, if you've been blocked by Kevin uh, Peterson, it just shows you're living rent free in his head. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now, Thank you. <laughs> now, mate. I appreciate what Cricket Australia are doing and what you're saying about the upgrades of um, the Gabra, et cetera, et cetera, with the billions of dollars that are going to be spent. Mm. But just, it's 23-year-old. You said it was built for the 2000 Olympics. Let's just put it in perspective. How old is the, is the, the hospitals and the infrastructure around Queensland? Are they getting oh, oh, upgraded? Oh, well, they are. Internally, they're getting upgraded. Are they fit for purpose? So the technology, and here's my here's my argument. I hear what you're saying, Greg. My, my argument is that the, the GABA infrastructure, the actual solid infrastructure, there's not much that can be knocked down or or, or rezoned, repurposed, if you like. To That's to, right. to to exactly. yeah, hospitals um, effectively are, are shells. So if there is a new equipment or new technology, you can just pull out the old technology, move it in as far as uh, the, uh, the the infrastructure there. If, if, you, if, you, if you get my meaning, I mean, you know, I mentioned before, Wi-Fi was not invented 
when the Gabba was was built. I mean, yeah. it wasn't as common Absolutely. where we see. Yeah, uh, we've seen the lights go out because of the way that the power grid it is set up there. Now, it's been explained to me. I said, "Well, where's your emergency generators?" Well, we have some, but not enough to power the entire place because now the power drain that the Gabba has or the power required because of the technology and the upgrades and everything that was, again, not invented when it first came online, that now requires so much more and they don't have the physical capacity to put anything in, to rebuild. Most of that $35 million, and again, this is how it was explained to me, most of that $35 million put into the upgrade in the last 12, 18 months was to do with a lot of the rewiring, re yeah, the the, the I guess the the, the plumbing, yes, the, not yeah, the to, to the internal stuff, the internal gear, just to yes. just to get it to a state where it can function and function properly in twenty twenty three. There's only so many so pieces you can add on to a to a. So place. In, in two years' time, that thirty three million dollars or twenty three million dollars is going to be wasted because it's going to be all pulled out. Well, uh, by the end of twenty six, yeah, it, it will be. It, it will yeah. be, but but it was needed to be spent. So I, I I look and I have this uh I have this discussion. I'll pull it back an argument. I have this discussion to debate at, at my house with, with my sport loving yeah. wife who is totally against the gabba being pulled down. She said, "Why do we yeah. need it? What a waste of money for two weeks." No, no, no. It's not just for two weeks. And it's not, and we've got to get out of that Dan Andrews headspace of Commonwealth Games. This is for the next two generations. It's like, it's like, it's like getting your, it's like building a brand new house. You've got a, you've got an old post-war home. You knock it down. You want to put something new to last for the next century. You have a deadline. You have a deadline of Christmas to get in by Christmas. So you can have Christmas lunch at home. That house is not just for Christmas lunch. It's not just for that period. Yeah, it's to I, move forward. So that's my that, analogy. Ben, but what, yeah. about, what about new hospitals for the next two generations? We can't cope now. Oh, and it's all, all, all I'm yeah, saying, mate. Yeah. All, all I'm saying, mate, there's got to be some balance. Yes, there does. There does. And that is where the government's got to come in and find it. And, and I, I get that balance. But there's also got to be an economy for for the people that are coming here, living here. Uh, there's got to be jobs created for them. There's got to be the infrastructure built. Yeah, there's got to be hospitals. Uh, there's got to also be the, the draw, the economic draw for events to keep coming here, to have test ma- – an ashes test, five days of an ashes test puts $70 million into the southeast Queensland economy. So it is a money okay, now, mate, ma- it's now, a money making exercise. So you've got to spend money now, to now, make money. Yeah. Now now multiply that by the amount of years that the gap is unavailable for test matches. Yeah. So exactly, they've got to have a plan B, and that's pretty much the crux of our conversation today. What, what is the plan yeah. B? Where are you living while the house gets rebuilt? Are you renting? Where are you renting? Is it purpose-built? Can you make money there? Uh, this is something that goes on every day in most people's lives, but also in Companies, if if you're building a new headquarters, where do you reposition yourself until then so you can still make money? And that's the question Queensland Cricket is asking of the state government. The Lions are asking the same. Governments need to make a decision. The government needs to make a decision about where they're going to house the Lions and the cricket. Our two national sports, the AFL across the nation, 
cricket and AFL are two national sports so they don't have a home in Brisbane after November 2025. Uh, it's 13.13.55. 13. It's uh, 17 minutes past 11. Uh, Greg, I'm going to send you to the footy because that was a really good debate. I'm going to send you to the footy on Friday night. Titans and Warriors. Seabus, uh, there we go. There's a stadium. It's sitting there. Pretty. <laughs> it needs to be filled uh, to help cheer the Titans home. And you can be there uh, on us. And if you don't get to the game, of course, keep it locked here to 6.93am or 16.20 on the Gold Coast because you can hear every second of it here live on SENQ. Uh, time for a quick break. Uh, back with, oh, we'll head to Cowboys country very soon. Cohen Hess. Can they win? Can they make the finals without Val Holmes and Jeremiah Nanai? That's next. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 This is Mornings with Ben Davis. So flat. I can't even. I don't even know. You don't even look good while you're singing. The worst thing I've ever heard. This is $1,200 a week for voice lessons, and this is what I get. Okay, I'm going to save it with the solo. Bow, bow, I'm dead. I can sing like this. Oh wow! Yeah, the family singing long out of Step Brothers. It is the favorite movie of of my next guest coming up very shortly. We'll head to Cowboys Country. Step Brothers. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, before we touch base with Cohen Hess, uh, Adam on the text line, he said, Ben, the Gabba redevelopment is needed. Losing events has been an issue for some time now. It's not just the size of the stadium that's the issue. It's the technology and creating a modern stadium. It has to happen. The only thing I feel needed to be more, though, is than 50,000. It will still be smaller than the competing stadiums of Melbourne, Perth, Sydney, Adelaide, all great, and more than, more than 50,000 seats. 13 13 55 04 67 736 736. Townsend with a kick for Cohen Hess. Cohen Hess, what a take in traffic. He can find the try line, Cohen Hess. Wow. Oh, the big man. Love seeing the big man get over for a try, and he celebrated there. Yeah, we do love to see the big men get over and flying up for bombs too. It's now become in vogue ever since Big Lindsay Collins did it in State of Origin. Cohen Hess, very good morning to you. And what about your try celebrations too? The ball between the legs, riding it like a, what was it, like a bucking bronco perhaps? Yeah, you can say that. I actually stole it off um, Scotty Prince, a fellow man Iverson, so... Um... Yeah, wham back the clock there for that one. I knew it looked familiar. You're right. The moment you said that, <laughs> Princey, that's it. Yeah, going and riding. How, how much time do you put into try celebrations at training, Cohen? Are they a big thing, especially during oh. try July? Um, well, not as a front rower, no, but I know <laughs> they have to back up a bit of um, practice and they come up with a few. So um, I think for us front rowers, it's, it's probably a good thing just to have one in mind because if you score more than one, in a month, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, fair, that's fair play, fair play. Mate, great win against the uh, – well, actually, no, I was about to say great win against the Titans last <laughs> week. It was a great wins leading into the Titans last week, six in a row. But sadly, after your try, it, uh, it didn't work out uh, to plan. Now, how much of a dent has that put in the confidence for your team? Um, no, not so much in the confidence. Um, obviously, it was very disappointing. We we had a opportunity there to go to fifth, I think, at the time. Yeah. So 
Um, we're sort of stuck now in a bit of a battle, but um, yeah, we, uh, as a playing group, we sort of put that behind us, and um, yeah, we get to prove our worth against um, Broncos who are flying at the moment um, at home. So um, yeah, we've got a lot to look forward to now. Well, you mentioned at home. Um, you've won what the past six at home against the against the Bronx. So you've got a pretty good record up there in Townsville. Yeah, and, and especially this year um, as well. I can't really remember. We haven't really lost too many games up here as well. So, um, yeah, we, we pride ourselves on playing well in front of our home crowd. And more often than not, they get a home. So, um, hopefully there'll be... Well, not hopefully. We know there's going to be a big turnout there this weekend and hopefully get another win. Very different Broncos side, though, this year that you're running into. They're, they're running hot. They're at the top of the ladder. Mm-hmm. And they are... Well, they're, they're gunning for a minor premiership, only the Panthers standing in their way. How, how do you stop them? It's going to be tough, that's for sure. Um, hopefully, it can be pretty nice and hot here, here Saturday, um, 3 p.m., I think it is. So, mm. um, hopefully, the conditions favour us more so than them. But... Um, yeah, I guess it's going to take 17 men out there um, for the game. They're, as you said, they're flying high and they've got strike all over the park. Their forward pack's going well. Obviously, Adam Reynolds' kicking game is, is, is yeah up there with the best. So, um, it's, yeah, it's going to take 17 Cowboys putting on a good performance to get the win, that's for sure. All right, I think you may have already given something away. Is Adam Reynolds in your sights? Has he got a target painted on him from a... From a, a, a from a big unit like you, um, I won't won't reveal what we're going to do too much. But no, nah, we we haven't even started prep yet. We've we've just yeah, because we've got the short turnaround, so it might seem boring. But yeah, we've just been rested, and then um, yeah, we've got re- uh, preview later on today, and then um, we only really get one main session out on the on the deck. So. Um, Whatever the coaches have got planned for us, um, yeah, they'll give that to us later on in the day. And then I guess it's up to us just to execute it on, on Saturday. Uh, Cohen Hess, my guest uh, this morning. That's right, it's just uh, finished some weights up there in uh, North Queensland, heading into that local derby, the Queensland derby against the, the Broncos. Always tight games. Mate, the elephant in the room, I've got to address it. You, you, you're down two test stars now. Val Holmes last night at the judiciary. Yeah. You, you're not going to see him again before finals if you make finals. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, pretty bummed for Val, I guess. Um, but, um, yeah, that's that's the way the cookie crumbles. And, yeah, we we just got to rely on whoever comes in to fill that spot now that they get their job done. And, um, yeah, can't really dwell on it too much because it doesn't really matter who runs out there. They're expected to do their job for the team. And, um yeah, obviously not 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 the best case no. scenario, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, well, a couple of questions around that. Firstly, who does your goal kicking? Well, I might put it, put my my own hand up. I used to kick in under twenties, um, slotted a few in, the, in my time. Um, no, nah, I'm not too sure. I've I've heard rumours that um, Drinky and Chatty are going to share it and kick from one side each or something like that. Well, yeah. I don't know, apparently one's good on one side and then the other's good on the other side, so they've tossed that up. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure, to be honest. We've got Feldy as well, I guess. He might come back into the team now that Val's out. So, 
got a few options there, but um, I, I did put my hand up just for the record, but I think Toddy told me that I was dreaming, so <laughs> I was a bit devastated. <laughs> you got a response out of him at least. Normally, it's when you don't get a response, when they when the coaches just look at you with the evil eyebrow just to go, really? Are you kidding? It was worth thought. It was worth thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, well, on a serious note, I mean, you do have Kyle Felt waiting in, in the wings, literally, named mm-hmm. on the reserves bench. And we know that Zach, uh, Zach Labart has, has filled in for Val yep. in the past, but, but wasn't named in that extended squad. So uh, on face value from an outsider looking in, and please tell me if I'm wrong here, Kyle Felt does come back yep. in, and do you move Semi into the centres? Yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure um, Valdi will, will play. I'm not too sure of the dynamics or who's going to line up where. I think probably figure that out the Sabo training. But, um, yeah, even Murray. Murray's played a bit of centre as well. And, and Feldy's has been playing um, centre in the Q Cup as well. So I think there's a few options there. It'll be more so who's most comfortable in the position and, and who trains good today, I suppose. All right. Well, you've got your hand up for the goal kicking. Um, talk me through Step Brothers as being your favourite movie of all yeah. time. What's the appeal? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I've always had a um, love for Will Ferrell. And, um, yeah, that's just probably one of his better movies. Um, I know, oh, well, yeah, growing up, I, I probably watched it a hundred times. So I think it was probably on my TV once a week. And, um, yeah, it was just, yeah, just a classic, I suppose. Good stuff. Out of curiosity, have you seen Star Wars? No, no, I haven't actually. That's probably the only sort of um, thing I haven't watched. I think, mate, it's a it's the background. It's a running joke because I threw it out there last week and about movies oh, right. movies you haven't seen. And and Mal Meninga came back and said, "Oh, that whole Star Wars thing, I haven't." I've gone, "What, Mal? What Star? Like that oh, would be yeah." <laughs> there you go. Good one to live. Good one to live up to, mate. Good one to live up to. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, we we wish you all the best uh, heading into this Saturday. I'm um, being based in Brisbane. Um, good luck, but not too much luck. But we always know the Cowboys Broncos are going to be belters either way. For sure. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. There we go. Cohen Hess from Cowboys Country. Um, just can't dwell on on not having Val Holmes there. Uh, it's pretty simple stuff. And, yeah, that looks like uh, he wasn't giving much away, but you'd have to think Kyle Felt does come back into the side players on the wing and they can uh, shuffle around that back line with uh, Hiku, Semi, and uh, even Murray Tailungi perhaps playing in the centres. We'll see how they line up. Uh, we're going to see how they line up in the newsroom right now. Vanessa here with the news hit. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Oh, Slam and Sam, it's getting near lunchtime as well. Yeah, we started the show off with pies. We may as well end it as well. Uh, I was outed for having a pie for breakfast. It was a bacon and egg pie. Or as Zorks called it, a quiche. But no, it had a lid on it. So the breakfast of champions, a pie washed down with a Coke and a... Well, actually, that's all it was. But anyway, um, it's triggered. It triggered text messages. And I didn't get through all of them about the best pie being around town. Uh, There's been a few shouts for Yatla. You can't go to the Gold Coast and not get a Yatla pie. Actually, I remember going down to the Lions at Springfield when they first announced Springfield was being built as a destination, I think it was back in 2004. Anyway, uh, Patty said, mate, 
when you come back to Mount Cutha, uh, just swing by Yatler and get me a pie. <laughs> I went, hang on. <laughs> We're in Springfield. We're that far south. But I thought I'd bring in the boys. Hoff's in the studio and Slam and Sam's here as well. Uh, pies, best around in town. Your thoughts, Hoff? Well, I've had one where that we got a text from Fairfield Bakehouse. That's uh, quality oh, out, yeah. out there. Um, what makes them so good? Is it the filling? Uh, they're just kind of old school. Mm. You know, that old school sort of country feel, bake, like baked pie. I really love it. Uh, Jason has said uh, peaches. Jason has said beefies pies. Be- beef- but beefies are good. I'm a fan of beefies. Too chain like. I'm partial to a drive out to Fernvale as well. Yes, Fernvale Bakery. Yeah. yeah, good call, good shout. And an even longer drive. Yeah, and here's a little shout out to to New South Wales Hank's Kitchen in Grafton. Quick, turn his mic off. Turn his mic off. <laughs> I've got the button here. <laughs> Hank's Kitchen in Grafton deserves a shout out as well. Yeah, Maxwell Country Bakery. While we're on it, hang as well. on, steady on you, bikes. Just no, keep it north of the border. Keep it something that we can actually we can actually get. get good to. buffalo pies in the Northern Territory. Hang on, what? Buffalo. Yep. Buffalo. Yep. What does buffalo taste like? Buffalo, cow, and gravy. Oh, great. Gra- I reckon that's the key to a great pie. Gravy. Gravy and juicy. I'm more of a chicken thickness. pie fan myself, to be honest. Chicken. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is lunchtime. Let's go grab a pie. <laughs> I think we're going to. Can you go back to back? Hey, thanks for your company over the last three hours. Really appreciate it. It's uh, been a hell of a lot of fun this week. Uh, we will do it again uh, from next Tuesday at 9. Until then, good luck, good hunting. Cameron Smith up next.